0: Block Talk Radio. Firefly Willows Live presents Revolution, featuring your host, Hi C. Lutner.
1: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me, see for another episode of Revolution here on Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. and Blog Talk. And we start off our show as we often and normally do with our roundtable discussion. And for that, I am joined by my esteemed colleagues and co-hosts, Mildred Lynn McDonald.
2: Good morning.
1: And John Carousella. Hi, HiC. And My topic today is kind of inspired by my guest coming up a bit later, Carlos Chavez, who is going to be talking about how he made a very monumental shift and leap spiritually when he decided to go and have an ayahuasca experience for the first time, which opened up all sorts of things and led him down a very different path than he was on. And so I wanted to pose for our roundtable discussion um, a question in two parts. The first part is how is it that we can know that we are ready for some sort of spiritual leap or for taking the next spiritual step or that our spirit is calling out to us to say it's time to go to the next level. And then the the second part is going to be, you know, when we do have that awareness, how can we go about doing it in a way that can be most successful rather than feeling too overwhelming or too fearful that we back off and don't do it? Mm -hmm. So if we start with the the first part of that question, um, how is it that you've been aware that you are ready spiritually to to move to the next level, to take the next step, or just that your spirit is saying it's time and this needs to be done at this point. We can no longer continue to operate just as we are.
2: Well, I see for myself, speaking from experience, it's an overwhelming done feeling. It's almost as if you've explored every angle, every nook, every cranny at this current energetic level or in this current vibration and you are done. Sometimes that's followed by exasperation. Sometimes that's followed by relief. And when I say followed by, the awareness that you're done is followed by exasperation or relief. Sometimes it's anticipation. Sometimes it's fear. But it's always the acknowledgement and resolve and knowing that even if you choose to procrastinate, this is not going away. You're just simply done. And that's how life has unfolded for me in this area.
3: That's interesting, Mother Lynn, because there, I, I think there's wisdom in what you just said for me that I haven't always recognized because I have this uh, propensity to never feel like I'm I'm done. i have never done enough. You know, I've never explored everything completely. There's always more to learn. but it does get to the place of diminishing returns and a sense of uh, almost kind of like an exhaustion uh about going after these things um, whatever whatever phase I'm in. and I' found that for me, it's about listening. You know, I get to this place where there are signs. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the movie um, Bruce Almighty, where uh, the main character played by uh, Jim Carrey is is driving and he's screaming at God, asking for a sign. And he's passing all these very obvious road signs that are literally telling him exactly what he needs to know, but he's just blind to them. <laughs> And he's like, why don't you tell me I need a sign. Show me a sign. And and I I think that, you know, the universe is always talking to us. It's always present, very intimate conversation with us. And it's really how ready we are and how capable we are of listening to that conversation that determines how gracefully we can embrace the opportunities that are in front of us. And Uh, I think as I've gotten older, it's become more and more clear that there are lots and lots of signs that are guiding me to the next step. And it's less and less often now that it's a, you know, like like you get to this place where I, I don't so often get to this place where I'm done, done, because I'm paying attention to the little signs along the way that keep me, moving along. So it's not, it's not like there's a big blockage anymore, most of the time. But in some aspects of my life, where I'm not paying attention, where, where I'm not mature enough to really be sensitive, I do get to that place where I'm like, this is exhausting. Uh, and I don't quite know what to do next. But I keep banging away at the old, the old
1: model.
2: How about you, Hi C?
1: Well, I was going to say I think it's it's similar to what John was saying in terms of paying attention to the the, the signs, but I think that that can go to this idea of not brushing off synchronicities as mere right. coincidences, mm-hmm. and not because fe- sometimes if we're not aware of synchronicities, we end up having to kind of get bludgeoned over the head in order to finally go, oh, okay, I get it, you know, but. If we start paying attention to those, and like you were saying, even if they're subtle, but taking action on them or at least being aware of them when they're happening, they don't have to have 17 of them. Hap- you know, it, it, it's the difference between an attitude where somebody says, if one more person tells me that they think I should be a teacher, I'm just going to scream. <laughs> it's like, well... Uh, maybe you need to pay attention to the fact that, you know, (laughs) yet one more person has told you this very same message. And so instead of getting to that point, it would be after the first or second person telling us that they think we'd be a really good teacher. We go, you know, maybe I should just look at what about me makes them say that and what would I be able to teach or what would be available to me that might be right for me as a teacher. So, so to me, it's, it's, Kind of like the signs, but it's paying attention to those synchronicities where the the universe is trying to make it clear to you. And sometimes we don't have to get exhausted by how many times we're hearing the same thing or the same message over and over again Mm. in order to finally feel like we've got to do something. Just like with the body, we don't have to push ourselves to the point that we're breaking down and getting sick to recognize maybe I'm overdoing it and I need to take a day off and get some rest. Rather than waiting until I'm forced to be on bed rest because I've exhausted myself beyond the point of no return.
3: You know, there's a there's a um, the saying when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And uh, I find it kind of a wry perspective to say, yeah, uh, the teacher is there the whole time. <laughs> it's just that the student's not ready to see the teacher. Uh, the universe is speaking all the time, and and it's. Only when we wake up to the presence of that message in sufficient depth or sensitivity is that the teacher appears, that the message becomes clear. It's not that the message isn't there. It's just that we're not ready to hear it.
2: And there's also the example where you are sensitive to the message. You do hear the message, but you're afraid to walk with the message.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well that, that leads into the second part of the question is, you know, once we have become aware of that need or we have recognized the signs, what is it that we can do to step confidently in that direction or to take on whatever that is that would recommend that would that would um be that next step or or be that next path for us or the next level for us without feeling afraid or that we're not up to the task or that we're not ready uh, in some way. What suggestion might you offer for someone of how to go about following through on what the signs, the synchronicities the teacher is, is saying uh, rather than feeling that urge to to pull back and think that we need to wait longer or we can't do it?
2: Well, I see for me, what I found is to take small steps, because as you take small steps, you not only develop the skill to take the steps, moving along the path becomes more familiar. So that becomes the new more, excuse me, that becomes the new normal. And basically, you become more and more at ease with the new paths. So there have been times in my life when I have taken a giant leap. They have not all been pretty. In fact, maybe they've been a bit messy. So <laughs> based mm-hmm. on that, I learned. And then I found, well, okay, I'm getting signals. I'm getting some messages. I'm afraid. I don't know where this is going to take me. I do know that I can take one little step in the direction. And I do do know that by the time I've taken 10 steps, this is becoming my new normal and I'm starting to become familiar with it. And the old way is dissolving or evaporating away. And so is the fear. So that's what I found helped me.
3: I'm Mildred Lynn, thank you for sharing that because that is so resonant for me right now. And it's, I've just started to practice that and it really does work magnificently well. Just trusting enough to take a small step. You know, I, before your answer, I was going to say that my my approach was surrender. <laughs> Wave the white flag and say, okay, okay, uh, I'm just going to... I'm just going to surrender and allow myself to be vulnerable. Um, But that's, that's hard to do. It's really hard to do. And it's easier to do it the way you just described it, which is to just surrender a little bit, take a small step in that direction. Well, I think both
2: you're welcome. But, I, I really feel also. Just add one more little thing to that. Depending on where you are in your life and what this, every circumstance is different, every version of you is different. You know, maybe sometimes small steps work, and maybe sometimes large a large
1: leap works.
2: You never know. Like maybe the idea is to to be open a little bit, and I'm sure Heisey's got some wisdom to add to that. <laughs>
1: all right (laughs) (laughs) i I appreciate your confidence in me um well I, i think also being okay with not knowing not understanding and not having to have it all figured out before you take a step nor with all of that coming as of the very first step so it makes me think like when I when I first started studying Buddhism, for example, I picked up the first book that I read, and I would swear I probably didn't understand half of what was in that book because the concepts were very new and foreign, but also some of the language, when they use, like, Sanskrit words for things, um, you know, and you're just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what they said in that chapter, but all right then. Uh, but by the time I was reading my fifth or sixth book, I was able to be reading it and I would come across Sanskrit words and I would have no issue about what in the world is that word and what are they trying to say versus I knew what it was because over time it just gradually builds and grows and that awareness and understanding comes even just through allowing myself to continue to expose myself to it without understanding it right away because that understanding will come through the the repetition of the exposure rather than giving up as of the first book because I felt like I didn't understand half of it and maybe it's just going to be over my head and I'm never going to get it, so I'm not going to do it. So it's that willingness to stay with it and the acceptance of I'm not going to know everything, understand everything, and have everything fall into place so I know exactly what this is going to look like and where it's going to take me As of the very first step, I just need to take that first step, and then that second step, and then that third step. And kind of like what you were saying, Mildred, over time it will start to become more natural, become more the norm, and I will suddenly have a sense of awareness I didn't realize I had when something comes along that may be more like a review of something earlier. But now I have that understanding or I'm able to talk in that language without it being foreign or feeling as if I'm completely new to it and I need to look to someone or something else outside of me to explain it to me.
3: Yeah, the step at a time thing, a little at a time, feels quite good. The big leap, uh, So I guess sometimes you don't really, you're confronted with, with a decision or a choice that um, can't be taken in small bites. And so then you do have to just surrender i think
1: but that can be the first step which may be big but the next steps may be small so just because it was a big step doesn't mean everything after that has to be big and dramatic and life-changing it can be i'm going to take one big step and then there's a lot of little steps and sometimes people also give up then because then they think well now it's not happening or progressing as fast as it did initially. So maybe I've gone the wrong direction or maybe I've got everything out of this I need to. Uh, it, it's like in a relationship where the honeymoon phase is over and suddenly we think, well, maybe this isn't working versus, oh, well, maybe now I'm just getting down to the everyday work that goes into maintaining a relationship. It's not going to be all, uh, you know, honeymoon, honeymoon, honeymoon all of the time, but that doesn't have to indicate that nothing is happening nor does it indicate that it's given us everything it has and now it has to go away.
2: One thing that I found really useful with myself, because, (laughs) I don't know, I make everything into a little game. So one of the games I play with myself is, number one, if I'm, I'm tackling something spiritually that's new, step by step, I say to myself, take it lightly, laugh a little bit, laugh at yourself, laugh at how much you don't know, laugh at how much you're stumbling. It really is quite funny to observe. Why not observe yourself stumbling and falling on your face and getting up again? Ha ha ha. So I find that that's interesting. And then I make a promise to myself to review where I am maybe in a week's time. Sometimes, It's just mundane and I'm still in the same spot. And then sometimes I'm quite pleased because I had a little breakthrough during the week. But I find that that acknowledgement part or that benchmark has helped me a lot. And when do I do it? I do it either in my morning or evening meditation. That's where I revisit. So that's two little tips that help me.
1: All right. Well, hopefully in all of that, there was something that both was encouraging for people, as well as perhaps inspired them to pay more attention to those signs when they come, and to be a bit more willing to take steps, small or large, tentative or sure, knowing that each step will build on the next regardless, and therefore it's worth taking the step no matter what. So uh, my thanks to My co-hosts, Mildred Lynn McDonald.
2: My pleasure and great topic, Heisey.
1: And John Carasella. Thank you, Heisey. It was great for me. And stay tuned because we will... Uh, be hearing not only our regular segments of Living Well and our Astrology Update and your chance to call in for readings if you would like a little later in the show. You can get into the queue now by Skyping in or calling 646-716-5510. And I'll also be talking with my guest, Carlo Chavez, about a a slightly large step that he took by being willing to uh, try something he was being called to and how that experience then shifted and open him to being willing to take his spiritual development to the next level. So stay tuned, and this is Revolution, and we will be right back.
4: You tell me I'm so full of shit just because you're not prepared for this.
0: Listening to Revolution with host Heisee Lutmers on Firefly Willows LIVE. Find out more at slash Revolution with Enjoy the show.
5: I am Linda Wiley, and this is Living Well with Linda. Your monthly guide to the well being of your body, mind, and spirit. It's about an alternative approach to life, healing, and living well in our changing world. Food is alive, it is a being, it is a sacred being. Food is not just our vital need, it is the web of life. Vandana Shiva Our body is a machine for living. It is organized for that. It is its nature. Let life go on in it, unhindered, and let it defend itself. It will do more than if you paralyze it by encumbering it with remedies. Leo Tolstoy, War and Peace. To realize our connection with all of life and the plant and animal kingdom and how we support and help each other in our process. I am Linda Wiley,
1: and this is Living Well with Linda. Well, hello, Linda, and welcome to Summer with May 1st. It's kind of, in, in many cultures, traditions, it's the the beginning and kickoff of summer. So I want to welcome the, the warmth and the light to you at this time, and to everyone listening, of course. And as we are kicking off our... Warm season, at least here on the northern hemisphere uh, what is it that the 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 greater amount of light and the the warming of the weather is stirring within your mind within your heart as to thoughts that are going on right now for the season?
5: Well, that's beautiful and and actually, I have a few thoughts round about that that are warming and let the light in and open the heart and things like that. So while I was in my healing mode this winter, I had several books that that I was reading, and one uh, I would like to share with you about today, and it's called Braiding Sweetgrass. And in there, I've, I've discovered three terms. So that's what we're going to chat about today. The first term is reciprocity. The other term, the next little phrase, is the honorable harvest, and then the thanksgiving harvest. The honorable harvest asks us to give back in reciprocity for what we have been given. Reciprocity helps resolve the moral tension of taking a life by giving in return something of value that sustains the ones who sustain us. One of our responsibilities as human people is to find ways to enter into reciprocity with the more than human world. We can do it through gratitude, ceremony, land stewardship, science, art, and most importantly in everyday acts of practical reference so giving sharing taking asking gifting the world goes round in a circle and it is the circular movement that is life no sides just one thing weaving into the next so much forgotten in the name of progress and education and science and more the assimilation of ways lived in truth, of the people taken away from their homelands and domesticated, lost to the truth of the land and the ancestors. In times long ago, magic was afoot. We communicated with all that is in ways that we have also forgotten. The plants, animals, and each other, indeed Gaia herself, shared the mystery and wonderment of life. Because of this listening with the heart, we walked in reverence and honor and respect for all things Mother Earth gives, and we give back by caring and tending to the needs of the plants and animals, for all is connected in this great circle of life. Life needs us as we need life. This is how reciprocity works. For without each of our parts or and the other, this would not be so. This is what we tend to forget in the driven world of make-believe. When we have forgotten our place within the scheme of things, as in the scenario we find ourselves, who are we really but a form expressed out of Gaia for her need to express herself and perhaps play within the creation? When we walk with gratitude, it changes the vibration within the world. We give back by being present and in heartfelt communication with all of life acknowledging their gifts as we tend to the world. All plants and animals grow as we do, and so we live that they live and they live that we may live. This is reciprocity, the circle of life. Restoring land without restoring relationships is an empty exercise. It is relationships that will endure and relationships that will sustain the restored land. Therefore, reconnecting people and the landscape is as essential as reestablishing proper hydrology or cleaning up contamination. It is medicine for the earth.
4: So the honorable
5: harvest is taking only that which you need and will not waste and only taken within the harmony of the seasons and the environment of the area that you live within. It means you pay attention to the seasons, to what is growing, how much is growing, and so on. If you're not out in nature, then you are still keenly aware of the seasons and are eating as locally as possible and organically. The deep reverence for life remains the same in the city or out in the country. This is part of reciprocity. To nurture the world that nurtures us, whether it be with our hands in the dirt or our hands on our hearts, it's the attitude that counts here, perhaps intentional. The Honorable Harvest idea carries with it the balance to our over-consuming ways and unconscious choices, and because those continue to threaten all of life, the Honorable Harvest helps to break up the lies of scarcity that the program promotes. A harvest is honorable when both parties benefit from the connection. When we abandon gratitude, the gifts abandon us. Becoming a culture of reciprocity returns us to the circle of life. We must remember that all flourishing is mutual. We need the berries and the berries need us. Their gifts multiply by our care for them and dwindle from our neglect. We are bound in a covenant of reciprocity, a pact of mutual responsibility to sustain those who sustain us, and this is how our empty bowls are filled. So when we combine these ideas of reciprocity and the honorable harvest and live, them the best we can wherever we are we are taken into the realm of deep thanksgiving for every li- living thing and we see the world through a different lens a new perspective and that evokes a sacredness to re-emerge from its dormant sleep cultures of gratitude are cultures of reciprocity it awakens within us something that calls that speaks of abundance rather than lack of the program world When we live this way, it starts to break the spell of the world, and the heart returns to its rightful place within life as the main organ of perception that it is. Thanksgiving connects us to our roots, to the honorable way of life, to the honorable harvest, which is all about reciprocity. Speak with the plants and animals as you would a person, for they are indeed that. Then listen within. Life will call you deeply into herself the more quiet you become. For it is said by the ancient ones, Be still, and luminous gifts will descend upon you. So giving back and sharing keep the circle of life alive, and we remember land as sacred land, as community, for without this reciprocity, there is no life.
1: And you mentioned the importance of listening. And I know that, one, you're a master gardener. And two, you recently catered a silent retreat that was out in the woods. And so you obviously spend a lot of time in nature as well as listening to nature, because especially with gardening, for example, you have to really listen not just watch, but listen to the plants and things that you have to to know what they need and when they need it and how much they need. And so can you maybe give a little bit of or, or a couple of tips that people can use to, to, one, hone their ability to be able to listen more effectively to what nature and the world around them is trying to say to them? And also just in this season, a couple of tips that might be beneficial for people uh, to help just keep them healthy as we go through this warmer period of the year. Indeed. Thank you.
5: I would say as this little quote says, be still and luminous gifts will descend upon you. When we're still within, when we're within our heart, we walk within the world, within the natural world, and you set your intention to communicate with, to receive information from, to be in touch with, all of nature conspires to have that happen, because that's what it's all about. So walking and listening and asking and trusting the information that you hear within your heart, within you, however that comes, and acting on it and seeing what happens. And then it will strengthen and you'll know more fully. I mean, plants actually do communicate and it is amazing. They have uh, certain plants that come to me in the night as to what I might need that will help me and they do um, when you work in the garden, you you can tell by looking at the plant: is it happy? Does it need water? It's all the form of communication, and you can tell. They say, "Pick me! I want to go inside." Or, "Fertilize me now! I'm I'm needing something." And you just um, it's how it used to be always. And so, a few tips then would be: get out in the sun, and the wind, and the air. Exercise, walk, hike, mow the lawn, talk to nature. Begin life anew. Begin again with fresh new perspectives. Dig in the dirt, touch the earth, tend to the plants and the earth herself as one is the other. As we tend to us, we heal her. As we heal her, we heal us. Reciprocity, thanksgiving, honorable harvest. All right, so here's a couple of recipes, spring time things for sure. So baby carrots. Carrots just coming. This is a carrot ginger turmeric soup with fresh greens and cumin cream fresh. So you will saute the carrots until tender, adding chicken stock or veggie stock. Set that aside. Saute the onions, the garlic, and the turmeric until soft. Uh, Then you process this all together in a blender. If you have a Vitamix, that's the best. Until it's really creamy, you can add a bit more stock. You can add some coconut milk if you like to finish it, salt and pepper, brags to to taste. And then you add the chiffonade of greens, which is greens sliced in very thin strips. Uh, You can add the greens at that time, mix them all in. And then you put the you you would mix cream fresh or plain yogurt with cumin and chives, uh maybe a little salt, put a little dollop on the top of the soup, and you know there you go
1: and you mentioned that this was inspired by a book that you had read over the winter. are there a a couple of recommendations for people that they might consider looking into as the season progresses when they have a little downtime?
5: Well, this book is is to me. It it has melted my heart, opened my heart, filled me with joy, made me cry, made me deeply reflective. Uh, It's also deeply validating for the people who can see and understand what's going on in the world from a Native American woman's perspective. She was a, a she's a Native American, and she is also a trained botanist scientist kind of person and so she's seen that actually the indigenous ways are completely scientific and it was already known because back then the plants and the animals the earth herself in fact was communicating still is communicating but we can't hear it we we blocked off the frequencies that impart all the information and carry the meaning And so the book, yes, so thank you. I got so excited about all of her loveliness in here. It's called Braiding Sweetgrass by Jill Kimmerer, K-I-M-M-E-R-E-R. It it has so much deep wisdom in it. I I highly recommend it. I, I just loved it. In the dance of the giveaway, remember that the earth is a gift that we must pass on, just as it came to us. When we forget the dances, there will be a need for mourning, for the passing of polar bears, the silence of the cranes, or the death of rivers, and the memory of the snow. The moral covenant of reciprocity calls us to honor our responsibilities for all we have been given, for all that we have taken. It's our turn now, long overdue. Let us hold a giveaway for Mother Earth, spreading our blankets out for her, and pile them high with gifts of our own making. Whatever our gift, we are called to give it and to dance for the renewal of the world, in return for the privilege of breath.
1: Well, thank you, Linda, for once again helping us to live in a way that is more bountiful, pleasurable, healthy, in essence, for helping us to continue to live well. And we will look forward to hearing more not only of your wisdom, but also the suggestions, recipes, tips that you have for us uh, next month. So thank you very much
5: and thank you too and I would like to say as well be well take care and do enjoy the gift of life because it is given and remember it's only a dream 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 dream. dream. Thank you for joining me today for this segment of Living Well with Linda. I'm Linda Wiley. If you would like to chat further with questions, comments, or consultations, please contact me at linda at Thank you and blessings to all. Blessings to all. To all, to all, to all. Have a great rest of the day.
0: Listening to Revolution with host Heisey Lutmers on Firefly Willows L I V E. Find out more at facebook.com/slash revolution with IC. At Firefly Willows L I V E, we're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, and enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us, host a show, or be a guest, or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable changemakers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willow's L-I-V-E, helping you find and shine your inner light.
1: guest this month is Carlos Chavez. Living a life that he calls a paradox, Carlos practices jujitsu, kickboxing, yoga, is a former amateur MMA fighter, and is always a lifelong seeker of truth and health. Three and a half years ago, Carlos had his first ayahuasca experience, which was the beginning of a slow wake-up. Carlos believes he is still waking up, the ayahuasca having kick-started the process by expanding his awareness, by making him more aware of becoming more aware of becoming more aware. A student of life and how to live in the fast-moving technological society and culture that is full of microwave transmitters and GMO foods, Carlos started studying and learning about superfoods shortly after his first ayahuasca experience. Prior to that experience, he was constantly getting sick and on one of his interdimensional experiences, he was given a piece of advice that changed his life forever. Carlos currently works for a biotech company in Sunnyvale that works with DNA. He is one of the founders of Vindicated Alchemy, a distributor of raw superfoods and Ayurvedic herbs. You can find out more about their products at vindicatedalchemy.com. So please join me in welcoming this month's revolutionary guest, Carlos Chavez. (laughs) And welcome, Carlos, to the show. As you see, many people enthusiastically awaiting your appearance.
6: Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on your show. I see.
1: Excellent. Um, So why don't you just give us a little background in terms of what brought you to your first ayahuasca experience?
6: Yes, definitely. Well, um, ayahuasca is very interesting how it came to my life because um, it was through my family, through my dad. My dad did it first, and he had an amazing experience. And we all we all thought he just got really high, and it was just like, well, he just got really high. You know, it can't be that amazing. And then my mom did it, and she was just like, wow. And she told me that I have to do it. And so uh, one day we, she, she made an appointment, and we went uh, to a ceremony, to a gathering. And I did it, and it was definitely life-changing. It just... Turn my world upside down. Really, like I, I can't explain how exactly uh, wh- what the experience is like, but I can share that the information that something like ayahuasca can give you. Cause it's just like almost like in the Matrix when uh, when they download programs into into people's brains. <laughs> it's almost like that. Right, And it's just bombarding you with information about your life, about your experiences, your emotions, your feelings, your body. And it just makes you realize um, a lot of different things that you need to realize that you might not be aware of. But that's initially how I got introduced to ayahuasca was through my parents, luckily.
1: <laughs> and that, that was about three and a half years ago?
6: Correct, correct.
1: And um, how old were you then?
6: I was, what, 29? 28?
1: Uh, So you experienced that during your first Saturn return, which is very interesting to me from an astrological standpoint. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because that first Saturn return is around 28, 29-ish in our lives, and that generally marks the, the shift from the first period of our life to the second period of our life. Um, And so you say that you made an appointment and went. uh, I think a lot of people may, so just to let people know, ayahuasca comes from South America. And uh, a lot of people may think that they need to travel to South America in order to experience it. And that there oftentimes are a lot of people who either falsely say that they are offering a true ayahuasca experience or ceremony or don't necessarily know the proper way to facilitate that compared to going to, a, are they called ayahuasqueras down in uh, right. South America? So, ayahuasca
6: or shaman. Right.
1: Yeah. So how would you suggest to people to be able to find the the right place for them as well as to ask the right questions to know that it's legitimate and someone who understands what they're doing rather than someone who's just trying to do something trendy or or doesn't really know what they're working with.
6: You know, I must say that I have yet to do it with a real shaman or an ayahuasca. Uh, from my experience, I actually... My first time, I did it with somebody that uh, went and trained with the shaman for a little bit, but is not a shaman. So I can't really—I've never done it with a real shaman. Uh, I have—I don't even think I've met a
1: real shaman. Uh, well, but I—but I think that that's important. What you just said is talking to someone at least finding out what the background is. Did they just suddenly decide to start doing? it for people here or did they actually go to south america study with someone so that they have that experience and that knowledge rather than thinking they can just start doing it themselves because they read about it on the internet
6: right no definitely definitely um and not, not only that i think that everybody who does do it is pretty much not knowing everything that they're doing you know like it's gonna be a learning curve for whoever starts doing it, and so so this lady who I did it with first, um, she she trained with a little, with a shaman for a little bit, and I mean I basically just jumped in it. I didn't you know, interview or her or ask any questions. Uh, yeah, if I was doing it now, would I? What kind of questions would I ask? Yeah, like where are you getting your medicine from? Like is it coming from Peru? I don't know. Are you a shaman? Have you? Have you studied with the shaman? Like, how did you, you know, get started in doing this? And you know, ask those basic questions. Uh, now I don't have to worry about that because uh, you know, the medicine is readily available for <laughs> me. I don't have to seek it out. I just I have obtained it. Uh, so, so thank God I have access to it now.
1: <laughs> and you, you know, you you refer to it as medicine, and it's thought of as an herbal medicine. Can you maybe just a little bit about what ayahuasca actually is, how it's used, and especially in ceremony, how it's used um, in order to access its, both medicinal and spiritual, but to to, to access what it has to offer?
6: Yes, def- definitely. Well, I, I want to kind of uh, track back to the, the shaman thing. So from my own experience, from what I've experienced, I pretty much... In a way, have become my own shaman from doing ayahuasca uh very many times i't I've only done it sixteen times, which is nothing really you know I could be in my hundredth ceremony uh and it and it doesn't matter I'm still to you're always gonna be learning like like even if a shaman's you know sixty ceremonies in uh he's always gonna be learning there's you're not gonna learn everything and master everything that the ayahuasca plant has to teach you, and it is a master teacher plant, and it kind of does uh, what it wants, like one, once you're you're in the trance or you're under its influence, it's going to show you what it needs to show you, it's very obviously very smart, very wise plant, sometimes it's gentle, sometimes it's, it's a little bit rough, but once you start uh, practicing with the plant, it starts uh, kind of like teaching you how to work with it a little bit, uh, and as you, you and you mature, you mature into the practice. So uh, after uh, a few times, you know you're gonna you feel like oh I got this I got this, but then you know like oh well, it, it shows you more and it, it just continue continually teaches you different things, um, like how to prep or you know talk to you about your diet, but it doesn't. it could talk to you or it could. Put mental images in your head it's very 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 interesting, but the plant the plant itself uh the active ingredient is dimethyltryptamine so d m t dimethyltryptamine, which is naturally produced in our pineal glands, so when we're asleep and we're dreaming um, the pineal gland said to uh secrete a little bit of d m t and so you get into your dreams and you kind of you know in your dream you're basically hardcore hallucinating right? So it's kind of like opening you up to that, that spirit world. So when you're on the ayahuasca, it's like you're dreaming awake, like you're fully conscious and you're awake and you're dreaming, but you're in your dream and you're conscious like how I'm talking to you right now. You're not unaware or as a matter of fact, your senses are super heightened, like senses activate in a way you can't normally activate them. Or the other senses are activated that you're not even aware you have. So.
1: And is it taken? So, yeah. um, do you do you smoke it? Is it taken as a tea? Are there various different ways to to use ayahuasca?
6: So the ayahuasca can be well. The ayahuasca itself is a combination of the the vine, the ayahuasca vine, and the chacruna plant, which one is the one holds the dimethyltryptamine and the other one has the MAO inhibitors which uh, suppress your digestive enzymes because uh once they if they make it in a tea you have to have the MAO inhibitors so that your body itself doesn't break down the dimethyltryptamine and if it, if it does break it down without the MAO inhibitors your body will consume the DMT and just digest it and nothing will happen it won't reach your brain but with the MAO inhibitors uh, that way, your digestive systems are, or your digestive enzymes are suppressed, and it goes. The DMT enters your blood, and it reaches your brain. And once it reaches your brain, then your brain starts processing that that and you start having these. It basically opens up a a chemical gateway into the spirit realm.
1: And is is the effect like, you know, a high like people. Is it something that somebody could take and then go out and go to work while it's, you know, in their system? Um, what what I, I, what kind of effect I, does it have?
6: I, well, if you smoked DMT, I mean, it's just gonna like. I've done it one time. Uh, I didn't. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't have the leather lungs <laughs> that is it, required to smoke DMT. I mean, you gotta take really, really big rips. And um, so I don't like it. But with the ayahuasca, no, 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 you have to create a, a sacred space must create be created. I mean, you're opening up a chemical gateway to something, you know, you don't quite understand. And it's very, very powerful. So you always want to have that sacred space created. Uh, you want to be somewhere where obviously uh, someone's taking care of you, someone's guiding you like a shaman or somebody that's been practicing for a while and they they really do know what they're doing. Um so yeah, you can't you can't be somewhere in in public doing this type of stuff. This is so sacred and there's so much respect required for this planet. This planet's actually a little bit demanding of its respect and and you know, and sometimes like if it doesn't want you to break through, like you you might not break through if it doesn't want you to come for some reason, it won't let you break through. It's very interesting. It won't let you break through to that spirit realm. So it's very—it's like picky. <laughs> uh,
1: so what what would you say that its its medicine is? What does it have to offer? Like people think of, say, marijuana, and marijuana is really good for helping to alleviate pain, for helping to bring us into a more mellow state. So maybe we're just a little more able to. Um, accept things as they are and just be with the moment or life as it is and not feel stressed or concerned or that kind of thing. So how would you characterize or how would you describe the the medicine and the experience of ayahuasca in terms of what it has to offer compared especially to other things?
6: Right, that's a really, really good question. Well, I mean, Medicinally speaking, uh, for me it it's been okay. For me, I had my own childhood traumas and my own emotional baggages that I carry carried around. Um, for me it let me go. The medicine part was me letting go of my emotional baggage that I carried around. For whether it was a heart, you know, like this girl I was in a relationship when I basically first started doing ayahuasca, and it was coming to an end. And, you know, this girl broke my heart. I've never had my heart broken. So this girl broke my heart, and it just showed me through her perspective, and uh, basically through her eyes, how, how she viewed the situation, and it helped me understand. Um, and it helped me clear not just that, but obviously a, a bunch of other garbage that I was carrying around emotionally and spiritually. Um, And it didn't all happen in one session. I think it happened in about three sessions. So emotionally, spiritually, it was amazing healing that I needed. It made me feel uh, this overwhelming amount of love and joy from within myself. It was beautiful. So and sometimes I think that in society we, we forget. We're so disconnected. We forget what it feels like to really, really, really feel super loved or to love yourself. So like spiritually... And emotionally you know it's gonna do you know wonders it can do wonders physically uh they say it's like you know detoxing to the blood detoxing to the liver and kidneys um it have uh detoxing to the to the stomach, so it'll give you a flush it can it can give you a flush so it has physical uh detox- detoxification and physical uh properties that will make you feel good i guess with your body um uh, but for me, it was more. Uh, an emotional, spiritual uh, me- medicine.
1: Well, it's it's something that I have um, heard many times about the experience of people using ayahuasca. Is that it's it seems to be really good at taking you down to kind of a molecular level and helping you to one remember things that you don't realize you remember and carry around. Uh, And two, it has a purgative effect very often, sometimes physically in the sense that when you do it, you will throw up. But it also then medicinally, and by medicinally I also mean the spiritual aspect, um, it, 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 it seems to be really, really good to use when you need to go down, like you were saying, and dredge up the things that are... Toxic within our systems, both physically and emotionally and spiritually, and pull right. them up so that we are challenged to face them, but then be able to allow them to be released and let go
6: definitely definitely and if i if I may add to the from okay well the there's a purge that they call the purge, so when you do the the medicine, you know um yeah, you do throw up or some people like they get the runs, you know, like you gotta go to the bathroom. So, I, from my experience, it helped me understand um, that when you go do a medicine like this, there's a lo- little tip, guys. A little tip: if you're gonna go do a medicine like this, learn how to do flushes, flush out your system. That's why uh, you're supposed to fast, you know, three days prior. Uh, you know, don't eat meat, don't have sex, don't watch, you know, crazy movies. So just try to be as pure, you know, as you can, for three days. You know, you got to flush your system, uh, flush your intestines, um, go sweat in the sauna. You know, do some exercise, meditate. So that's a, a little bit of the, of the preparation. But physically, for me, um, I, like I said, I was getting sick a lot um, when I before I started doing ayahuasca, and when I was when I started doing ayahuasca, I first had to clear my emotional baggage. For me it was all emotional. It wasn't a physical healing necessarily. After like about three sessions, then it started coming to my body. Like, okay, I'm like, why I, I went wholeheartedly, with conviction in my heart, asking the medicine, why am I getting sick all the time? Like what's happening to me? Why is my hair falling out? Why why are these changes happening to me so fast? And then it started showing me about my stress levels, like stress Dress was a big one. Started showing me about my... Not providing my body what it needs. So whether it was... Uh, I was dehydrated. I was demineralized. I mean, I'm eating food. I'm re- eating regular food. I'm eating like, like rice and chicken, and, uh, a little bit of salad. I have eggs. That's what That was my diet beforehand. You know, like a... Almost like a... Like a bodybuilding type diet. I was into lifting weights. Uh, so... But I was still getting sick. I was eating a lot of chicken. I was eating steak. But I was still getting sick. You know, I was even eating vegetables, not, not a problem. But it wasn't enough for me. It was My body was still saying, hey, I, you're not providing what I need. So the medicine um, showed me uh, that I needed to make some changes in my diet. Uh, so it was really beautiful because one of the experiences – that we had, they played this chakra opening, uh, ch- this chakra like Buddhist monk type chanting, and each song was uh, dedicated for to a, a specific chakra. So it started from the root chakra and it worked its way all the way up. So when they when it hit the, <laughs> I don't know if it was the solar plex solar plex chakra or the heart chakra. At one point, I had a brief you know co- conversation whether it was with myself or. It seemed like I was having a conversation with my body for a little bit, and I'm like, "Why are you breaking down on me all the time? Like, what what is happening?" And it's like, "You need to give me what I need. (laughs) You know, you got to provide me the nutrition that I require, and I won't break down. Like, give me what I need, and I'll, I'll, you know, and I won't break down." And so I was like, "Wow, okay, that that was an amazing experience." And then shortly after that, I had another experience where, because uh, I started researching on the internet, and I started, you know. Finding all these different recipes, all these different concepts on eating, and I found this uh, this guy. All I all I knew was it was a recipe. It was just a recipe. It's called Morning Breakfast Elixir. You can find that on YouTube. It's called Morning Breakfast Elixir. And I was like, oh cool, you know, this is an elixir. This looks like it's super nutritious. I'm gonna include this this recipe into my diet. I'm gonna you know constantly. I went and bought all the ingredients, and I started making it. I'm like cool, but I didn't know who this man was and it was dr robert kazar i didn't I didn't know who he was. It was just a recipe for me then I, on on another experience that I had in ayahuasca i i went i don't know I went to this really be- i had this beautiful experience outer body talking to some being of energy it was amazing and i as I was coming back from that experience as I was returning to my body uh something popped into my brain and said, look deep into this man, he has been here before. That's all it said, look deep into this man, he has been here before, and it showed me Dr. Kazar's picture. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a guy who I found a recipe. Cool, ah, all right, okay. And so then I started researching him online, and I started looking, and I understood, I, I didn't realize he had like over 300 videos online. And I was like, "Whoa! Like that's that's amazing." He has a bunch of different lectures on consciousness. He 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 just provides a lot of information, and it was exactly what I needed to what I needed to start healing my body. The information that I was required for me, uh, and so what he, all the topics that he talks about really resonated with me. And not only did it, it wasn't just him, but he led me to. To a lot of different other topics and different people 'cause it just it just kind of spread like wildfire information and i i really ha- I've been spending the last three years not just studying him but other other people that I find very very fascinating who I can pull information from and and then kind of returning back to that chakra experience that I talked about earlier uh and when I had that experience with the chakras i I had a this really really deep heart chakra experience which was beautiful. And so from that experience ever since I had that it seems like I've been able to filter out information from my heart and not my mind. And that's a beautiful feeling like my heart just kind of guides me and then my mind comes second. And and that was, that was really really beautiful. So so when I find information um and I'm doing my research I'm I'm filtering information through my heart and not necessarily my mind. When I do my work I do it with my heart and then my mind. So that was another thing that I got from from ayahuasca. But basically what I'm saying is I learned to heal my body or I learned different concepts because of ayahuasca pointing me in a certain direction. And that that was that was the advice that changed my life. And ever since then I haven't been able to stop. I haven't been able to stop researching. I'm always learning. I'm always practicing and uh, experimenting on myself with different products or different skin care treatments, uh, doing intestinal flushes, uh, breathing exercises, always learning yoga, always trying to enhance myself and give my body what it needs as well. So, yes. So So, so
1: Well, and and I think that you know one thing that struck me is that we can always remember is when we know what a plant does medicinally physically we can we can extrapolate what it's going to help to do on a spiritual or energetic level and you know so the 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 purging aspect of ayahuasca in the sense of um uh, needing to, you know, recommended that we fast for three days prior, that we don't watch crazy movies so that our mind is is calm when we go into the experience so that our body doesn't have a lot of stuff inside of it that is uh, that it needs to get rid of. Um, you know, we can see that energetically and spiritually ayahuasca is going to also help in that process and especially I think from what you just described, it helps to see that we become far more aware of what we put into ourselves,
3: Definitely. affects
1: us, and is what comes out. And whether that's the food we put in and how that may affect our body physically or the the information we allow to come in uh, and how that may affect us on a mental or uh, emotional level, um, like with the crazy movies or whatever, or always looking at negative news and that kind of thing, um and you know i I've, i think that ayahuasca is really good at helping us to become much more aware of what comes in affects us and also comes out of us and and inspires us if not kind of pushes us to be far more conscientious and diligent in choosing what we allow in
4: so yes, that definitely, we are we
1: um and when you when you describe it as like after the first few ones, and there had been times when you you went in to ask ayahuasca. So can you just talk a little bit about that process that you can of how you can set intention when going in to do the process and what it means to go in and have a conversation with whether it's ayahuasca or something else. Is it like a sense of a conversation in your head? Is there a, a visceral sense of something right in front of you that's very real that you're actually com- conversing with um so so one how is it that people can go in with specific intention and two what is that experience like is it very visceral in terms of that or is it more just the sense of uh, something went through my head and now I remember it when I come out of the experience
6: right uh for, so for me uh when I when I'm able to pull information out from from these experiences, like intense information that I that I really need to ask. Um, I've tried to pull stuff out where it's not really heartfelt. It's just like oh, I just want to know, you know. And I haven't been able to do that, but I've been able to pull out information out of these experiences that when I have conviction in my heart from my own, from my own experience, I have to have like my heart needs to feel it. Like I need this information and I need to get it. And then there's a again a lot of conviction. So for me, my health, it gave me a lot of conviction. Like, what's happening to me? I don't understand. Why am I deteriorating so fast? You know, I'm I'm still pretty young. You know, why is this happening? And so so that's why I was able to pull that that information, it seems like. And so as in how it gave me information, everybody's different. Everybody's experience is going to be different. Everybody's mind is different. So it's going to be according to how you think how you feel, uh, what's the best way to teach you. But for me, um, it was very visual. I got really lucky because the, the spirit of the plant uh, came to me in my visions or in my ayahuasca experience and was showing me, like like I'm talking to you, but in person, just talking to me um, and also putting images in my mind, like putting pictures in my mind. So every, t- every time it, I would ask it a question, it would either answer me verbally or it would answer me uh, telepathically and might just say something in my mind without saying words like I just know or it would put an image in front of me it was really really nice very very uh beautiful experience
1: and do you find afterwards do you have anything like what might people might call flashbacks um or do you just find that the information it integrates or assimilates into your body into your mind into your heart so that you're aware of it and you can access it and you know it when you need to know it but there's not that sense of a flashback like okay now i've got to go sit down because this is suddenly affecting me again kind of thing
6: i've heard of people having flashbacks i myself can't say i've had i mean flashbacks in the sense of like something triggers it whether it's a song like I'm like oh yeah okay well then I guess I I take that back I do have flashbacks here and there but they're triggered by like a song or like something somebody says or a uh, some kind of like touching video but for me my flashbacks have always been kind of more related to like the heart something that just triggers my heart and am just like oh my god you know, I'll get a little teary-eyed about something or something that like, just really touches me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like like the experience that I had That in that sense. Or um, sometimes when I meditate and I'm experiencing something in my meditation, um, then I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's like the ayahuasca experience. And then when I try to focus in on it, it dissipates, it's like, oh, no, it's gone, <laughs>
1: um and one thing you mentioned which i might dispute just a bit um in the sense of when you would try to just go in for intellectual knowledge that it didn't really work but you had to come from a heart centered place in order for that to really come through uh you know and i've i may have mentioned this before for people listening but the um ancient egyptians everything for me always goes back to there, Um, you know, the ancient Egyptians saw the heart as both the seat of emotion and the seat of the intellect. And so our intellectual capacity came from the heart and therefore what we thought on an intellectual level was filtered through the love aspect of the heart so that it would come out in a way that was in its highest good or in a loving way, etc. And similarly, emotions were filtered through the intellectual part, which meant that We didn't get overly emotional about things. We didn't overreact to things. And I think that maybe what you described is more a sense of ayahuasca bringing us back to remembering that both of those things sit in the heart space rather than we tend to think of them as separate and disconnected because we think of the heart where the heart is and then we think of intellect way up where the head is completely separated from where the heart is in our body uh you know and i i think that and i've you know in in hearing other people's experiences with this as well i think that's one of the great things that ayahuasca really does is it it brings that connection back to say there is no separation between heart and intellect versus they all come from the same place and if we operate from there we actually are operating in our highest good, as well as able to affect the world around us for its highest good, rather than for ego or selfish purposes.
6: Yes, I would, I would have to, I would have to agree. And you know, it's funny because when it first started happening, I didn't really realize what was happening because it didn't necessarily tell me, "Hey, by the way, I'm going to activate your heart, and this is going to be your filter," and this like. Filter out information. I just started doing it, and I was like, "Whoa! Like this is very interesting." I, you know, like it, it was a shift, and I, um, I loved it. I loved it because it it just made me again it made me aware that I didn't even know I could do this.
1: And so, speaking of that shift, I, I know that um, a number of the things that I mentioned in the intro that you do, like jujitsu and You were an amateur MMA fighter and that kind of thing. Very physical. Some people might see some of the things you do a little bit as violent. Um, But how would you contrast your feeling and approach towards those activities prior to your ayahuasca experiences Versus now, how is it that you see them and approach them? And was there anything that you were doing that you realized maybe wasn't in your highest interest and you stopped doing as a result of some of the awareness that ayahuasca brought about?
6: Right. So uh, in relation to basically training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and kickboxing, well, I've always considered myself a martial artist, first of all, and a practitioner of you know different martial arts. So with even with when I was an MMA fighter, when I was fighting amateur MMA, um, I I've always had the mentality of a martial artist. So that means uh, I'm not fighting with anger, or I'm not fighting to necessarily hurt and injure somebody. Although you know technically that is the goal to knock somebody out, or you know to put, put yourself in a leveraged position to break an arm or or a leg, right? But you don't do it. You don't have to do it, uh, and it's just a sport. It's just like, like playing chess. Like instead of me moving the the pawn, the queen, stuff like that, it's just it's a it's a physical thing. But emotionally in my mind, it's it's like like a game of chess, though. You see, you see what I mean? It's not like I'm gonna kill you in my mind. It's like oh, I'm gonna counter this move, and I'm gonna counter it with this move and this move, and then if you react this way, I'm gonna counter it like this and like that. You see what I'm saying? It's not it's not a I hate you, I'm gonna hurt you type situation. It's 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 a game. That's all it is. It's a game and my, the game is to to beat you.
1: <laughs> you know, the
6: goal of the game is to beat you or to to put you down. Um so I've never had a problem with that sense uh with that being like violent or being angry in that sense. Um, but for me it's a beautiful outlet. Jiu Jitsu has been a beautiful outlet. Um, it's very, very technical, um, and there's so much to learn and so many different positions and so many great people, especially here in the Bay Area, to learn and train with. Uh, right now I train at Claudio Franca's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, great school, great teachers over there. Um, and I don't amateur fight anymore just because um, I'm not very interested in, uh, you know, there's always that possibility of, you know, getting hurt. You know, I didn't want to make a career out of it. I just wanted to experience it. And, uh, you know, after I did ayahuasca and whatnot, yeah, I was just like, yeah, I I think I want to take care of my body a little bit more, and I really put myself at so much risk because, obviously, somebody may not have the same mentality as me, and I could get hurt, or it could just be an accident. So, you know, I just look at my body a little bit different now in the sense of, like, hey, I want to take care of this, this beautiful machine that I have. This is the only the only vehicle to get around in this earth, so I must take care of it. And so that was the, the, the a little bit different shift. Um, who knows, you know, maybe later on, I decide to take on an amateur fight, but I'm going to be very, very uh, smart and selective about it. Um, I can't say I won't ever do it again, uh, but I still train, you know, two, three times a week, kickboxing and jiu-jitsu. So.
1: And one thing you've mentioned is that The ayahuasca experience made you much more aware of your body and wanting to take care of your body, and not only with the exercise, but also you made kind of a a radical shift in terms of the foods that you eat and the way that you approach nutrition. Um, I know that one of the big things that you stress a lot of times are superfoods, and I wondered if you could... Talk a little bit about what superfoods are and how you came to understand the importance of them and uh, the way to integrate them into your uh, regular eating or, or nutritional habits.
6: Okay, definitely. Uh, first, I want to actually talk about something. Uh, about It's all related to food, of course. Have you seen the movie or the documentary Earthlings? I have not I, see. I
1: okay.
6: have not if you, if you guys out there listening If you haven't seen the documentary Earthlings you, It's a must to watch You have to watch it uh, That's going to be uh, definitely a game changer And awareness uh, It's going to raise your awareness About food About specifically eating meat uh, Pork, cow, chicken And the fur industry and And fish as well So this documentary is called Earthlings, and the concept of the documentary is basically showing uh, how us humans, you know, we have our own species, and we we protect our species, the human species, and we look at other creatures as less than us, so it's okay to decide, you know, that we can eat them, we can eat the cow, you know, because it's, it doesn't talk like us, and it doesn't... Communicate the same way we communicate, so therefore we will eat all these cows and grow them and continually eat them and, you know, take their milk and take their little babies away from them or the, the pig, the same same thing with the pig. Uh, it's very, very interesting. I actually recently have become a vegetarian. I had not seen earthlings, but I, I, I knew I was going to be a vegetarian uh, sooner or later. So my parents went vegetarian first and then I recently joined them but it took me about 3 it took me about 3 years. I knew that I was going to make a slow transition from eating meat. So I first stopped eating pig. Pig, pig is the dirtiest meat you can eat cuz they eat everything. They eat shit. They cannibalize themselves. Uh they they're just very very dirty and more than likely are probably contaminated with some sort of parasite the pig tapeworm. So it's a very, very low-frequency uh, meat. The pigs themselves are actually beautiful creatures, very smart and intelligent, but you just don't want to eat their flesh. It's the dirtiest flesh you can eat. Uh, second would be the cow. Uh, so I stopped eating red meat, and then I was stuck on chicken for a while. <laughs> so, so I basically hung on to chicken as long as I could. I, I didn't go through too bad of withdrawals from eating meat. Because I again I I kind of kept chicken and fish for a little bit, and then recently I, I converted full vegetarian. Um, and, and for me, it was a slow transition. I didn't just stop eating it. Uh, on top of that, I, I introduced uh, so, like uh, if I took meat away, so what am I gonna kind of give back? So if I don't have meat, what how do I replace it? so I started using superfoods, um, so I started using, like, what is considered a superfood is, like, blue-green algae, a uh, Calamus Lake blue-green algae, that, it's the only place that it grows on earth is in Oregon, and uh, that has basically everything your body needs, and you don't, why it's considered a superfood is because you don't need very much of it, so, like, a a tablespoon is is a lot. You probably just need like one-fourth of a teaspoon or half a teaspoon or a teaspoon if you like. And it's going to have so much nutrition, so many vitamins, minerals, a ton of chlorophyll. So they say like one tablespoon of blue-green algae is uh, equivalent to 10 pounds of broccoli. So that's why it's considered a superfood, just because of the the density of the nutrition that it has. Uh, For most uh, vegetarians like myself, um, we lack in B12. It could be a real issue. So uh, blue-green algae is one of the foods, one of the superfoods that has B12. So if you're out there and you're looking, you're a vegetarian you need B12, that's one way to get it. I still supplement B12 uh, just because I like to have a, you know, make sure my reserves are uh, properly met, are on high and so i supplement it uh spirulina another algae chlorella another algae very detoxifying super dense in nutrition uh we're looking at uh chia seeds uh different types of ayurvedic herbs uh to stimulate you know different parts of your body like uh for example um uh, Ashwanda. Ashwanda. uh it's very i i tend to stress or I, I still kind of stressed, You know, I, I do live in the city. I, I do have a regular 9 to 5. So, I, you know, I get stressed out like, like anybody else does. And uh, so sometimes when when we're eating, you know, certain foods or the standard American diet, you know, we we must understand that the body eats, you know, they need its calories, they need its glucose, but then also your glands eat, you know, your your testes, your adrenal glands, your thyroid gland. You know, um, they eat too. And so you got to give them foods that are going to give them nutrition. You know, your brain eats, your body eats, and your glands eat. So you need, you know, for your testes, you need you know, plenty of polysaccharides. Uh, for your adrenal glands, which, you know, se- secrete your stress hormones, your, you know, adre- adrenaline, um, and a bunch of other, you know, hormones that that I can't mention right now, Uh, but, you know, you got to give them food, you know, you got to give your, you know, you got to make sure you have a high sperm count, so you got to get plenty of polysaccharides, you got to make sure that your adrenal glands are functioning correctly, that you're not, you know, overstimulated on caffeine, and, you know, for whatever reason, it it makes your adrenal glands not function correctly, you're not going to function correctly, because if your hormones aren't you know, functioning correctly, you're not gonna feel right. It's not just all in your. It's not just your brain. It's like, oh, if my head's, my head's not right, you know, my head's just not right. And like, no, most of it, it's all chemical reactions coming from your glands up to your brain. So you've got to feed your glands. You got to take care of your body. Your body is the key to your mind, and vice versa. Your mind is the key to your body. You you got to have both. It's it's a it's a balance between your body and your brain. So, uh, we started my, my friend Liz and I, we, uh, she got, you know, she started doing ayahuasca, uh, a few sessions before me. And, uh, I, I introduced her to the concept of superfoods and I told her the whole story of what happened and and everything. And so we started this little business called Vindicated Alchemy. Um, so, and VindicatedAlchemy.com. So there we, we're, we just started doing this. We're, uh, we're still uh, fixing the website and putting products on there. So not all our products are on there yet. Um, but basically what we're doing is we're, you know, we're promoting Ayurvedic herbs. We're promoting uh, different types of allergies. We're promoting uh, different uh, different superfoods that we personally use. And I have, you know, you can make smoothies with them. You can make super mineralized waters. Um, so we need to start... Uh, making more videos uh, explaining how we do stuff, so we haven't we haven't done that yet, and and that way we I could share uh, the concepts and share what I do and how I I make my you know my elixirs how I how I make my super waters or how I like to prepare my smoothies and what works best for me well, that that'll be that'll be coming soon, but basically the you know the concept of of replacing uh, me with, you know, superfoods, uh, that was a big shift for me and it has helped me tremendously with my body. I stay super hydrated and I don't just drink, you know, tap water or I don't even touch uh, plastic bottled water. Like for me, I, I, I use glass, I use glass mason jars, I use a, I have this special filter that I have uh, and I make super conductive mineralized waters. Uh and a different types, you know, like hibiscus water, blue green algae water, uh, lemon, cayenne uh, waters, and so I'm sipping on those all throughout the day. Um, and I'm getting, you know, again, fully mineralized, hydrated, and I'm getting a ton of chlorophyll every day. And then, and I still, I still eat, you know, you know, normal food. Like I eat a lot of quinoa, I eat a lot of rice, and I eat a lot of different types of smoothies. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty satisfied and, and happy with uh the transition and and I was able to 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 replace you know my my meat uh i i do use a lot of uh different types of vegetarian uh protein shakes so uh i have a variety i don't just have one like oh this is my go to no i have a uh i i have probably like five different types of protein shakes downstairs right now and uh and you know i and i mix i don't get bored. I make all kinds of different recipes and you just got to, it takes a while. It took me a while at least to, to learn what works for me. Uh, but then also grasping the, the understanding of, you know, including these superfoods and giving your body, uh, the nutrition and the minerals that it needs. You know, your body runs on minerals. It's not the high protein diets that, Most people are on. You still need protein. Don't get me wrong. You want to keep your muscle mass. You want to look a certain way. You're still going to need protein. Uh, But really what's important, what I found was important, was your conductivity, your nervous system, right? Because everything's run on electricity. You're an electric magnetic being, right? So if you're not providing the body that it needs, uh, the minerals that it needs, you know, the 70-plus minerals that it needs, then, you know, you're going to be misfiring. It's not... It has It has to conduct electricity. You're an electric being. So, so you're constantly going to have to be, you know, be eating uh, mineralized, high-nutritional foods for your body to be functioning correctly. And not just the minerals, but, you know, you need certain... Um, you need other nutritional aspects to your body, too, so that your glands are functioning correctly. Like, for example, uh, your thyroid gland, you know, most of us are iodine deficient, and I have met many people that have had thyroid pl- problems, uh, or they get their thyroid removed or, you know, cut or something something done with their thyroid because they're not uh, taking in iodine, right? Or, uh, or sometimes uh, some people can't... Uh, you know, properly reproduced. You know, it could be a cell phone in the pocket. Uh, you know, constantly having your cell phone in your pocket, or you're just not having enough polysaccharides, and your nuts shrink. You know, uh, so it's just again, just making sure that that your body gets the nutrition, your glands get the nutrition, and and, and your brain, you know, gets stimulated as well. But on top of that, on top of that, you you know, you have to make sure that like, you're because food is an emotional thing too. Like, so you gotta make sure, you're, like, you're emotionally being fulfilled. It's not just, you know, your body and your glands, but emotionally, you know, your food has to fulfill you. Just like when you go eat a pizza right now, for most of most of the listeners, they'll go have a pizza, and it's an emotional fulfillment. It's not necessarily a nutritional thing. It may have some nutrition, but it's not much. But it, it satisfies you completely emotionally. You are fully satisfied after eating a pizza, right? So, so yeah, that's the whole concept with superfoods is just making elixirs, making things that are going to keep your body running optimally, and making sure one of the big things that we push is uh, proper hydration. Uh, the number one cause of disease is chronic dehydration. If you're not hydrated, you know, that's the start of something, your body... You know you're gonna be overrun by you know by the parasites inside you uh, so yeah, you just gotta make sure you're 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 super conductive super hydrated and making an, an environment where creatures can't really uh really like build a home inside of you basically, so so you can prevent that go ahead
1: if um somebody was worried that you know this is too overwhelming and I don't know how I would deal with getting all of these things and all the right things and, you know, eliminating this, Uh, what would you suggest perhaps if we think of like a medicine cabinet where we say, okay, we've got to always make sure we have band-aids and rubbing alcohol and, you know, a couple of other things in there on hand, Um, what would be like a couple of really good things to get started that people should always have on hand? In order to just be healthier in general,
6: uh, let's see well this is this for me um it was a little bit overwhelming, but again, everything's slow. you just take take little steps, make you know little transitions for me, and um, so I started basically just with my water, like something simple that you can do right now is just make sure you're getting. Uh, proper hydration like it um, doesn't matter if you buy something from my website or not just make sure you have a good water source okay don't don't be fooled by this plastic water nonsense plastic water bottle nonsense Uh, don't drink from the tap tap water is not good I don't care what they say so make sure you have a good water source. I would start there just make sure you have a really really good water source uh something really simple you can do just a little tip um you can get some himalayan pink salt okay that has seventy plus minerals uh it's under it's underground it's uh harvested from you know from underneath the ground uh it hasn't been contaminated by the industrial revolution like the ocean, and so it comes in these big giant crystals. And uh, you can put, you can get some of the some Himalayan salt. You can put it in a some kind of jar or in a little dropper, and mix it one part salt, two parts water, and give it about four hours, and then the salt will become the water, and the water will become the salt. And you can add, you know, three to five drops uh, in your water, and that that will make your water conductive. That will give your water you know, seventy plus minerals that your your body loves. Uh something else I would recommend. Um you know most of us are magnesium deficient. Um, you know, look it up. Look go online, put magnesium deficiency and it's gonna come up, you're gonna have a lot of information about that. Um I would just go to a local health store and get some ionic magnesium. Um, and add, you know, can you know five to ten drops in your water as well, and so uh magnesium has over three hundred functions in our body, uh, and most of us are deficient so look at it, look at us, look at your body like a like a light bulb in a way, so even though you're alive and you can do stuff, um, look at it as in, if you're mineral deficient, you're a dim light bulb. if you're fully conductive, if you're you're fully mineralized, you're like this bright light bulb. So again everything's run on electricity and and uh, the minerals are the the conductors that that your body needs to you know pass all this electricity throughout your body um, so it's so very very important to to get these minerals in your system it's not just about protein and carbs it's a lot to do with minerals and and uh, water <laughs> clean water
1: and uh i i know that the magnesium deficiency is a big issue um and you said ionic magnesium um and, and there's different forms that people can find magnesium in uh especially Correct. as supplements and so is is ionic magnesium the same as like uh, magnesium glycinate or carbonate uh
6: ionic magnesium it just refers to like the size of the particles of the the magnesium um so basically in your stomach uh there's a 12-inch strip that you uh, absorb nutrients from so and everything basically it doesn't matter if you're a meat eater it doesn't matter if you're um a vegetarian you absorb things in ionic form so it's a 12-inch strip that once you eat and you, you know you you chew up your food and you put saliva hopefully everybody out there is chewing their food very very slow and salivating on their food and then swallowing and then you know your digestive system does what it does and it makes it into like this liquid soup and it absorbs with like a about a twelve inch strip in your system and your stomach um it absorbs in your food in ionic form. So I magnesium in ionic form uh would be you know a good way to do it but even better uh magnesium in uh, like magnesium oil you can buy at any store magnesium oil and uh you can rub that on your skin. Uh and your skin will absorb it probably a little bit better than your uh than your digestive system will. So I do both though. I, I put it in I I use a magnesium, um ionic magnesium and I use a magnesium chloride hexahydrate uh oil on my on my skin. So,
1: And I, I just thought I would mention for people that if you do go look for a magnesium supplement, you, you want to avoid magnesium oxide because it's really not easily absorbed into the body, even though it's the most common form you may find it in, in pharmacies mm-hmm. and things like that. So um, magnesium oxide and also things that have magnesium glutamate or aspartate, you know, those two you want to avoid. Um, good ones i think that are are uh that people want to look out for uh, are things like magnesium glycinate magnesium chloride and magnesium carbonate there's a couple of other types too but in terms of just a general all purpose forms i think those three would be good but i just wanted people right. to know that magnesium oxide and magnesium glutamate and aspartate you you want to avoid so don't just be fooled by the name magnesium but pay attention to what form the magnesium is in, um, or where it's where they're getting the magnesium, because that's also extremely important. Uh, right. And I just wanted to to mention again. So your website is vindicatedalchemy.com. Correct. And while everything isn't up there, there are things there now, so people can start to, you know, investigate a bit as to what it is that you offer, and they could also through there contact you. Um, if they had any questions or needed some suggestions on things that might be right for them, I'm assuming.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You can, uh, you can contact me. Uh, my, my email is, uh, superfoods at com. If you have any questions or you can just, uh, email the, uh, the website, there, there'll be a, a email section there. And, um. So yeah, shortly we will be definitely making more videos and uh explaining more what we do. Uh, we have not yet done this and um and we will continue still uh learning and growing and so, you know, sometimes when I, I when I mentioned in my when, when I mentioned to you is I'm still, you know, becoming aware. I'm still, you know, we're still waking up. Right now this is the way we see things or this is, you know, how we're doing things. Uh, and, but we're still maturing and we're still growing, so things may change, right? So, so yes, okay. please, uh, thank you. Um,
1: and to, to finish each conversation every month, um, there's two things that I do. Uh, one is I'm going to ask you a question that a previous guest had posed, not knowing who it would be asked to, and then we will get your response to it. And then I'm going to ask you for a question that you will pose for a future guest. Sure. So the the question that was previously asked was from my guest Mejd Barad, who was on a number of months ago. And his question is, what is the next act of healing that you will give to someone?
6: Man, oh, what is the next act of healing that I would give somebody? <sighs> um, I I think that that that's a that's a really good question, and I think that we I continuously do that in my journey. So I'm continuously inviting people to join me on ayahuasca experiences. So you know, in, in a way, for me, spreading this information, kind of sh- coming out. This is my first uh, you know re- time... Speaking about something like this publicly Um, So So coming out and sharing my ayahuasca experience uh, My superfoods You know this is all for Your healing and you know Life enhancements For me And when I share my story I feel like you know In a way I'm giving you information So that you can help heal yourself To know thyself and heal thyself so i you know i'm continuously um trying to talk to people and bring them to ayahuasca experiences so that you know to help wake them up to help to help them on their journey right um and i'm always sharing about superfoods and hydration and proper mineralization um and that's all again to to help heal your your body and to help heal um whatever you got going on and then trying to convert <laughs> and help people become aware of, you know, maybe we shouldn't be eating all this pork and and uh, steak and and chicken, and, you know, it may not be the best choice uh, spiritually, physically, and spiritually. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers.
1: And and I think it's an important question for everyone listening to consider because a lot of times we get a bit focused on what we need to do for our own healing, what we need, but we perhaps forget to also turn that outward and say, is there something I can offer to someone else that can help in their healing process, which ultimately then helps us in our healing um, by doing or offering to someone else? Um, And so the second part of that is, what question would you like to ask a future guest?
6: Hi. Um. Yes. So, what well, okay. question? Let's see here. Um. That's a really good one. What? What have you done today? What action have you taken today to help enhance your life? That's what I think. Of. All right. Like, what What have you done and I, today to help enhance your life?
1: And I would encourage anyone listening to ask themselves that question, too, and see if they have a response or what that response is so that they can maybe just give themselves a bit of validation for either having done something or feel motivated to do something in this moment. <laughs> so that's going to bring us to the close of our conversation. So I want to say thank you very much, Carlos Chavez, for being willing to join me here today and and share some of this information for the first time in a, uh, a larger context and arena. Uh, and I will just remind people they can find your website at vindicatedalchemy.com or if you have any questions or need some additional information, you can email Carlos directly at V as in Victor A, what was the rest of it? Oh, superfoods. V-A,
6: yeah, V-A superfoods yeah. at uh, com. At
1: gmail.com. All right. So thank you very much, Carlos, for having joined me here today.
6: Thank you. It was a pleasure. It was awesome. Thank you.
1: And Stay tuned. If you would like to get a reading during the show, you can Skype in from the show page or you can call 646-716-5510. Uh, and I will be back momentarily with a, a quick little astrology update, but I would encourage you if you want to get a reading to get into the queue now, and we will be back right after this break.
0: host Hi-C Lutmers on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash Revolution with Hi-C. Enjoy the show.
1: You're listening to Revolution with Hi-C. I want to thank you very much for joining me here today. And uh, for the astrology update today, I just wanted to give something um, uh, relatively brief but important. Um, this month we are going to be having a Mercury retrograde, which goes from May 18th through June 11th. And this Mercury retrograde is going to be in Gemini, which is kind of interesting. It makes it a very... Uh, powerful retrograde period because Gemini is the ruling planet of the sign Mercury Um, so this is likely to be uh, quite the electric uh, Mercury retrograde period Um, a few things a few uh, aspects of this Mercury retrograde to keep in mind again from May 18th through June 11th is the primary period for it There may be a bit of duplicity. We may be confused because um, things may not be what they seem. People may not be presenting themselves as they really are. And we may be confused by things like somebody telling us something one day and then saying something completely different the next day. So be prepared for that, which goes to that idea in general of Mercury retrogrades of double checking information um, getting additional details getting things in writing uh, because that sense of uh, confusion and duplicity may be particularly uh, strong during this mercury retrograde period Um, and and sometimes that doesn't mean somebody was intentionally trying to do that sometimes it just means because we may find ourselves doing that saying one thing one day and something completely different the next day and people are like well but That totally is opposite of what you said yesterday. And that's because um, we may have our own confusions about what we really wanted or what was really going on, or we may discover another detail. So that's another aspect to keep in mind, especially during that period, is don't um, say something, offer something, promise something. Don't don't base something off of information that is less than complete or that you haven't double-checked that can cause that sense of I said something today based on the information I had, now I'm saying something tomorrow based on new information. It's be willing to take our time in order to have as much information as possible and to double-check things rather than immediately seeing something and running off and making a decision or saying something about uh, based on that uh, without having done some follow-up. Um, and what that's also wanting to... Uh, encourage during this period especially is for us to be willing to be more adaptable and pliable so we want to be able to go with the flow a bit. know that information is going to change oftentimes overnight uh, to be willing to work with that rather than to get stuck in saying but this is what was said yesterday therefore I'm not budging from that Um, be open to new information be open to new ideas be open to a shift in perspective Um, because that is likely to be happening more frequently or more markedly uh, during this mercury retrograde period. Um, Doing so, being more adaptable especially, uh, is going to help increase the ability to uh, build bridges and to mediate between opposing forces. So we may find ourselves in positions of Uh, conflict between others that isn't necessarily our conflict, but we're kind of stuck in the middle or we're being called in to arbitrate in some way. Um, And our ability to do that as successfully as possible is going to be based on the willingness to gather all of the information and evidence and to not be set in what we think is the right way, the wrong way, who's right, who's wrong, etc., but to be willing to be more neutral and to be willing to see how the information and the evidence unfolds and work accordingly with that. Um, Similarly, it may also mean that when we feel that we are confronted by an opposing force that feels immovable or we're being immovable in the face of it, call in a third party that can be a bit more objective and can help to mediate that and find the bridge to that. Um, One, technique that can be really helpful during this period is going to be playing devil's advocate Um, and doing so especially during this mercury retrograde doing so with a bit more force than we might usually do that Uh, so don't be afraid to posit the exact opposite to challenge someone with a completely different perspective or idea or approach um, it's not just a little bit of a tweaking, but it's it's taking a 180-degree different stance. And it's not to argue. It's to enhance the ability for everyone to think more broadly and to see things from a larger perspective so that things that might normally not be in the way that we would think, approach, or do something are actually allowed to be considered rather than us fighting tooth and nail to keep things the way that we're used to them or to do them in the way that we think they should be done regardless of what other information we may be getting at any time. So it's it's a willingness to push back against dogma. It's a willingness to push back against fundamentalism. It's a willingness for us to recognize when we are being too dogmatic, ideologically stuck, uh, uh, too fundamental in some way um, find people that will be willing to be devil's advocate for you listen to things that are opposite of what you normally would if you normally listen to Fox News listen to something totally liberal if you totally listen to something liberal all of the time be willing to listen to some conservative show hear the other perspective see what's going on on the other side and don't be afraid, even if it's just one small little kernel, to say, ah, okay, there we can agree, even if everything else we can't, because that may be the bridge to being able to find a solution rather than it's just being a continuation of an uh, ideological stalemate. Um, now, uh, one of the big themes for this Mercury retrograde is going to be reclaiming, taking back the willingness of um, enlightening ourselves and receiving spirit directly. So it's this idea of not looking for a go between for us to receive our own spiritual connection, insights, and information, but instead to go directly to source and to find the ways and work with the ways, especially things that may have worked for us before that we have fallen away from, to to re-engage with those so that we are having that connection and and engaging in that process on a personal level rather than thinking that we have to go through a go-between of some sort. Um, Things that would be really good to do During this Mercury retrograde, would be taking a a holiday or a treat or something that involves things like yoga, uh, detoxing, um, going someplace where you can get some sun uh, and and someplace that's kind of natural based where there's a lot of uh, like locally uh, local produce and that kind of thing. If you want it simple, it's like being more uh, active and going to the farmers markets that may be around you, um, being outside more, uh, being more active, and especially being active with things that um, are spiritually oriented, like qigong, yoga, tai chi, where there's a physical component combined with a spiritual component. And do be careful, there is a Neptune influence, and that can say that illness can come about if we don't allow time to use this Uh, opportunity or period for awakening energy to its fullest potential that can be physical illness because we're not living up to our potential can also be a sense of just feeling dis-ease feeling out of sorts sick and tired of being who we are being where we're at or doing what we're doing because we're not willing to embrace and pursue our full potential we are staying complacent and um, lazy so Hopefully that helps again May 18th through June 11th for Mercury Retrograde. And if you'd like to get into the queue, call 646-716-5510, and we will be right back. back and you're listening to Revolution with Hi-C. I'm Hi-C. Thank you for listening. We're here every second Sunday of the month and uh, today is uh, Mother's Day actually on the day that this is airing live and there are uh, no callers in the queue for readings today but perhaps that's because everyone is out celebrating their mothers and so I just wanted to quickly leave us with this uh, message on I pulled a card for the best way to to navigate and take advantage of this Mercury retrograde period coming up starting on the 18th. And the card that came up is the reversed temperance card. Reversed just means that it came up upside down. And one thing that this card speaks to is extremes when it is reversed. So it, it does reiterate that this is likely to be a um, a period that things are happening or operating in more extreme ways than usual. Uh, we may also see, because of some other things that are going on astrologically, um, we may also see some extreme weather patterns uh, moving through. So do be prepared for that, depending on where you live, um, whether this is a, a rainy season or a tornado season or whatever. Um, Things may be a bit more erratic and may also be a bit more extreme and severe uh than they might normally be, or especially they might normally be at this time um, This can also indicate that on a emotional level spiritual level interpersonal level things uh people may be acting in a slightly more erratic, irrational, and extreme ways they may be reacting to things. The key is we want to make sure that we're watching when we tend to be doing that. We want to catch ourselves in our own uh, extreme reactions. And whether that means that we extreme pull away because we don't want to deal or whether that means we are extreme in our combativeness or in our attempt to prove that we are right and get everybody to accept that we are right and go along with what we think no matter what anybody else is saying. Um, We do want to just watch that in ourselves and because ultimately the temperance card wants us to come back to what's called the middle way. It wants us to find that that bridge point, that moderated balance point um, where things can flow back and forth rather than just one way or another. So try to look for the middle path in something find the bridge for things in astrology for example when you have planets that are in opposition which means opposite of each other um it's that there's a sense that if we can find the 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 middle point we can see how those two can come together work together or be in harmony with each other rather than being in opposite sides of each other, so that's what we're being asked to really be conscientious about during this Mercury retrograde period. Uh, again, from May 18th through June 11th, uh, is to to find that middle point where we can achieve a balance and a harmony of working together with, or at least coexisting with. Rather than always being in conflict with or just assuming, well, we're polar opposites, therefore there is no meeting ground. There is nothing we could ever agree on. There is no way we could ever find to make this work in any way possible. So I'm going to keep working over on this side and you just keep working on your side and we'll get nothing done except Frustrating ourselves and continuing to reinforce in ourselves that obviously we are right and you are wrong. I think that we will probably see that play out in a, a very clear way, not that we haven't already, but I think there will be some things that are perhaps even more extreme during this time that we will see play out on a political level. So pay attention to that. Maybe take a lesson from that when you see how they are completely ridiculous in their ideological stances and refuse to budge and don't do anything to try to work together or come to some sort of meeting ground so that we can learn from that and say let me not operate that way and how can I do things in a different way so that I am working towards achieving a world around me that helps to find solutions and work together even when we seem completely on opposite sides of the aisle about something so thank you for listening this month my thanks to my guest carlos chavez and also once again to linda wiley for her living well segment and my co-hosts john Carousella and mildred lynn mcdonald for our roundtable discussion and i would invite you to Uh, Join me and also my co-host, Charlie Harrington, for my other show, The Amethyst Oracle, which will be on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. It's the second Tuesdays of each month. And I would invite you to join me here again next month uh, for another edition, another episode of uh, Revolution. Until then, be well and be safe and be Moderate.
0: Thank you for joining us, Revolution with Host Hi C Lutmers. Brought to you by Firefly Willows Live. Find out more at Facebook dot com slash Revolution with Hi C. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows Live for Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist with Heisey Ludmers and Charlie Harrington. Tuesday evening at eight PM.